everybody. Welcome to Dumb and Awful. This is Brett. Everyone loves board. This is Rob at Dumb and Awful. Um, we're still here. <laughs> we're still here. It's still happening. By the grace of God. We're going to keep doing this probably for a while. I mean, <laughs> uh, at least through the election. Mm-hmm. That seems the time to give up hope, I think. <laughs> like, I know a lot of people are thinking, like, right now might be a time to give up hope, myself included. Uh, but <laughs> no, after 2020, that's when to do it. It's been a minute since we did one of these, but shows take breaks off, right? That's a thing. Like People do that. Usually they tell people. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you're allowed a winter break. It's like Christmas break. And then my birthday's in there, and then you get the the best seasonal affective disorder shit because in New York it's like pitch black at four forty five p.m. So it really comes pressing. together in a, a nice you know nice <laughs> miasma, a nice rue of midlife crisis. It's just just so depressing, even without following the news. <laughs> like just getting old. It's just like light. How long? Tom Segura does a bit on this, but like, how long does life really have to be? Like you ever think about that? Like all the time now. It's so like what every birthday for sure. What new stuff am I just gonna start? I'm gonna get into like skydiving. I'm gonna get into like <laughs> what swoop jumping at this point in life? No, I've I've done everything I'm gonna do. Well, there's I still just, model trains. I did go into the model train store from The Sopranos <laughs> this <you> week. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was cool. <laughs> Yeah, was it? They were not fucking around there. Like, there was a, a, a you know, the FEC, f- like, freight line from Florida? Yeah. They had, like, those blue trains there. and That's so specific. I was like, oh, they got everything there. I mean, come on, they're the train shop from The Sopranos. <laughs> but, like, uh, I was like, yeah, do you have uh, any more of that train and, like, other gauges? Like, I took a shot. You know? <laughs> I wanted to sound like one of them. I was like, and any other gauges? And he's like, well, what are you looking for? And I'm like, I guess any other. And he just, the guy was so disgusted with me. <laughs> just like, what, like, any gauge would work? What the fuck? Yeah, uh, I'm at a restaurant. I think for my drink, I'll have water or maybe a Merlot or just fucking mud. They're all the same. <laughs> They're all just the liquid. <laughs> I'm mad at Big Little Lies for ruining model training. Did they? Is that the name of the verb for being a model trained fanatic? Model training just sounds like the way you psychologically break down these poor girls in Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> like Did the it? other day I thought back on how many different like whole phases I've gone through. For a while, actually for a good part of my life, like skating was a thing. Like skateboarding. That was yeah. a fun thing to do with friends. Like even at like six, seven. I was always terrible at that, yeah. I mean, it, it's still, once you, it's hard to balance when you're this tall, but like just being out with your friends and like skating. And I remember we would skate this one school uh, in Florida. It was an elementary school. And then like at night, there'd just be no one there. And they just had like, all these ramps and rails and steps and you could just go there and have fun. And over the winter break, uh, while I was just, you know, having a mental crisis, I just thought like, man, you know what I've, I've, I've never, I haven't done in a while is skateboard. Right. 
And it's like, I probably would enjoy skateboarding. I, I probably would. I always have before, but I had the thought like, did I step on a skateboard for the last time already in my life? Like, did that moment already <laughs> happen? I'm past the last time I ever stepped on a skateboard. And then I started going like, oh, it'd be fun, though, to get the guys back or, you know, just go there and, and you know, just skate the school like old times. And then I realized you absolutely cannot do that. No, no you cannot. You cannot. No, <laughs> you cannot go as a giant pale man in his 30s with a receding hairline unaccompanied to an <laughs> elementary school with a skateboard in your hand, right? I, I can't argue with the guard. Come on, man. I'm just here for the rails. What, I look like a guy who's here to abduct children? Would yes. a guy who's here to abduct children have a backwards FSU hat, a skateboard, and be unaccompanied popping ollies in the grass in front of pickup? Yes. A hundred percent. All yes. right. I, I see that. <laughs> That's actually the exact person we're concerned about. Actually, uh, you are the caricature of a pedophile <laughs> that teachers draw to tell kids what to avoid. You match like eight different drawings. <laughs> That's literally you could actually, they need to update that. They need to update the pedophile stereotype because like right now it's, it's like me. Right? It's just a giant terrifying pole. It's just a guy whose melanin isn't right. Facial hair is a mess, right? Yeah. It looks like he hasn't seen the sun, but has seen hentai like <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and, and he's just holding a skateboard and, and <laughs> having fun on his lonesome. <laughs> but really. But they got to update it. The new one has to be like, yeah, that dude looks like a pedophile. Oh, what? Like creepy mustache? No, man. Like just like kind of, you know, like like curly hair with like a, a tight T-shirt, you know, like listens to Freakonomics. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he says that technology is downstream from culture. He's got a grant at MIT. <laughs> you know, pedophile shit. <laughs> I saw him quoting Steven Pinker. I don't know if he knew that I saw him, but I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Just, it's not a guy in a van. It's a guy in a bus, only it's a DNC bus and it's John Podesta. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, sorry for taking... Uh, a couple weeks off, but whatever, it's the holidays and I'm doing self-care. And if I say that, then you can't be mad at me. That's the rules of being woke. So fuck you. Uh, <laughs> all right. So let's just get to it. The, the thing that is, uh, well, I've been seeing a lot. I've been seeing too much of it, frankly, for comfort. Uh, let's talk about the horrible new reality that we find ourselves in. I know both me and Brett have been doing research on this as best we can, but so far it's just like one thing after another so i i guess we'll we'll just get right to it um apparently and this is recent as of the night of 19 2020 uh people think that hayden christensen is hot <laughs> the um the guy from star wars the remember, prequels guy remember anakin yeah, yeah so i i guess you know star wars is trending on twitter as it tends to do for whatever reason and lots of paid advertising yeah and within that i noticed a a trend that was happening apparently in the same way that there's like k-pop stands and whatever right there are people for whom 
Hayden Christensen is hot. Like 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 they stand specifically Hayden Christensen's appearances in the prequels. So you know how like you'll see like uh, some sexy R and B over like uh, MP4 of Jun Cook like biting his lip or like looking over his shoulder. Yeah, you know, yeah. like one of those little like compilations. Of course. It's like twenty seconds, and it's like, wow, look how sexy Jun Cook is, and they just post it on anything that has to do with <laughs> anything. Frankly, yeah, the K-pop stands actually shut down a white supremacist uh, hashtag the other day because they popped in and they're like, this shit's racist. Let's post BTS. <laughs> They do good praxis. It it works, but so it was like one of those things. These like sexy MP4s, but they were all of Hayden Christensen as Anakin. <laughs> oh, so not even like out and about in the real world. No, like specifically from the prequel. No, their scenes slowed down and zoomed in of like him again, like <laughs> smoldering at Padme. <laughs> so, so what's going to happen is you will not see my screen. Correct. I will play. Some sexy Anakin videos, and oh, wait till I hear you, you will up. try to guess based on the music what the the visual is, what scenes from the prequel they are <laughs> dubbing their sexy music over. <laughs> all right, all right, okay. Summoning memories of the prequel movies. Okay. So think back. So Hayden Christensen, Anakin movies, Skywalker. He was the kid in the first one. Yeah. So not the kid when we's actually like. Some kind of no, thing. as far as I know, there's no like <laughs> dark Anakin, like on tour fandom where they're just like, I'll tell you what, though, no one's saying it, but we're all thinking it. Episode one, Anakin. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. This is the first one. This is the first Anakin MP4. See if you can guess what's going on. Okay, close my eyes so I can in this moment. properly. Yep. So, so you're scrolling through Twitter and then. <laughs> So, this is a very dramatic scene, of course, in the prequels. Okay. All right, this is when he's upset because he found out his mom died. When he goes back to visit her, and he, he sees she's destroyed. She she finds out she's dead, and then he goes to murder all the, the like, slang, people. slang of the Tusken Raiders. Yes. No, that was actually him meeting Padme for the first time. <laughs> that was where he's nervous, and she's like, little Annie... Waka Flocka's no hands. Okay, so 0 for 1. Let's try this next one. This one's easy. I'll tell you, this one's actually from episode 2. You're going to get this instantly. Well, all, either 2 or 3. All right. What Anakin MP4 is this one from? (laughs) (laughs) Episode 2. Oh, fuck. Um... Damn, he is smoldering here. When is he ever smoldering? Okay, okay. Um, I'm going to go with when they're doing that, like, harsh. Oh, wait, no, no, no. This is always Padma stuff. Right. It's the end after he got his hand chopped off, and they're in that, like, room together, making sexy eyes at each other, and they're about to get married. Oh, wait, that's the fucking third episode. No, is it? No, I'm sticking with that one. He's got the, like, robot arm. You were... You were close. Uh, I, I, you, you almost said it. This is actually from when Obi and Annie are chasing the bounty hunter Zam Wassell. That's... Oh, the car chase scene? The flying car chase scene? Fuck, I did yep, have that! Yep. 
Well, Damn it. I shouldn't second guess myself. Uh, you know what? Always go with your first guess. It's like the SATs no. when it comes to being horny online. <laughs> this one's a gimme. This one is... So, what is going on in this scene with Anakin in this MP4? Hey, how you doing, love, mama? Let me whisper in your ear. Tell you something. <laughs> this has to be one of the times they're making out or about to have sex. 100%. If this isn't, like, a pseudo-sex scene or just, like, them making out or something, that's such a lost moment. That was the I hate sand monologue. What? <laughs> that when they're in the field. Because they're in the field. What? Buddy, I didn't make these. I just enjoyed them. Now I'm annoyed at their musical choices. All right, one for more. You have, you have to get this one. This one's fucking what? easy. That one, that one made. You actually said this one already. I'm genuinely one, upset at that other one. This one is very easy. Okay, so uh, what is playing in this horny Anakin MP4? <laughs> Is this when he goes to kill the young ones? Yes! Wait, really? Yes. Yes. That would be the slaughter of the Padawans. Yes! I got one! <laughs> what a musical choice. Guys, you can always... You can always find someone for you, you know? Oh, I felt so good These about people myself. found each other. There's no excuse. Love is real, don't give up. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah, I just found that extremely silly that people are horny for Anakin. Like of all and the people real in the world, version of him that I could get. He's an attractive man, sure. I know. Is he? I mean, especially if you were a Who teenager at that time when those came out, and then he got pushed everywhere. I could, I see it. I get it. One, I'm not sure he's attractive. Period. Full stop. <laughs> but let me add to this. Talking about being old, right? There's no need to be into Hayden Christensen as Anakin now in the modern era. No, I agree. That right? makes no sense. Like when people were coming up, because of the way media worked, right? You had people you knew in real life, right? And then you had people on the TV. Yes. You basically knew the names of the 50 hot people you'd ever seen. <laughs> yes. You, you knew who the hot celebrities were and you knew who the hot people in your life were and you were really just stuck with that. Yes. If you were looking to be horny. Correct. Nowadays, there's an infinite supply of hot people on every channel, every social media platform, every everything. And the place you landed was Anakin Skywalker <laughs> from episode two of Star Wars. It's not needed. <laughs> it's not like they opened like a JCPenney catalog, flipped to the underwear section, and there was Anakin Skywalker and for lack of a better option, that became a formative experience for them. That's not what this is. They're just going, these movies slap. I want to fuck that guy. <laughs> I don't even know. I feel like I've got hotness prowess. I don't know who's hot anymore. Who's like just like a baseline, generally agreed hot guy? If it's not Hayden Christensen, who I mean, is not. the... It's definitely not. I, I feel that way, oh, okay. too. okay. Uh, Henry Cavill. That's so funny you say that. I've been watching a lot of Witcher. Henry Cavill. Yeah, I guess, yeah, Superman. That's, like, classic. Even outside of that, you, but a lot of people prefer the girl better because he's a little grimier. But it's still him being gorgeous, but less, like, buttoned-up Boy Scout. He was really he was really good in... Uh, Man from Uncle? Fuck. That movie fucking that slaps. That movie slap. Actually, that's someone who's hot. Arm Army, Army Hammer? Yeah. Bro, come here. Have you seen have you seen this scene? This is like my favorite. This is just like I want a whole movie of just this. 
This is Army Hammer and <laughs> Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill shopping in the 60s. Army Hammer is the Russian accent guy. This could go on forever. No, no, not at yours. The Ravan. You can't put a Paco Raban belt on a Batu. She's not going to wear a Batu. What's wrong with a Batu? Nothing. If you're fat, the Dior goes with the Raban. <laughs> it won't match. <laughs> it doesn't have to match. <laughs> oh my God. I really. That movie's so good. There was a tempestuousness in Army's eyes there when he said it didn't have to match. <laughs> he looked genuinely upset. Those two guys, hot. I think we can agree. Super hot. Hayden yeah. Christensen, not hot. Okay. I think we're agreed on that. I'm just still proud of myself I got one. You did get that one. And I got to see that delightful Henry Cavill thing. Dude, Man From U.N.C.L.E. is a great movie. It's just caddy spies from different sides of the Iron Curtain being caddy until it ends. All right, so Florida stuff. This is real quick. I just I saw this headline, so it's going to be a very brief reading series but we found and i i will be asking for their hand in holy matrimony uh <laughs> the florida malcolm x the headline what? here is florida woman arrested for threatening to get mcdonald's sauce by quote any means necessary <laughs> i mean respect her name is mcguire marie mclaughlin and she's from indian river county so just <laughs> place yourself in the scene a little reading series, as it were. Uh, a Florida woman was arrested for threatening to rob a McDonald's because they did not serve a dipping sauce along with her food, a report said Monday. McGuire Marie McLaughlin, <laughs> it's just such a Florida name, 19, denied the condiment, or, or sorry. So she have three M's? She's a triple M? Yeah, her initials are M-M-M. Mm. One better than M&M's. This, uh, yeah, they're all bad takes. She's <laughs> 19 and she was denied the condiment at a McDonald's in Vero Beach, Florida last week and oh, pledged to obtain the dipping sauce, quote, by whatever means necessary, according to a police report. I just, hold on, I, that sentence is beautiful. Pledged to obtain the dipping sauce by any means necessary. The fracas allegedly took place at about 4 a.m. on New Year's Day. <laughs> 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 all right, well, I got the scene now. When McLaughlin started yelling profanities at the drive-thru because she claimed she did not receive all of her food. The employee advised McLaughlin <laughs> that the dipping sauce cost 25 cents extra, read oh, the police bullshit. report from the Indian River County Sheriff's <laughs> Office. McLaughlin further stated that she would be getting the sauce by whatever means necessary, though she would not specify what she meant by that. McDonald's workers feared for their safety. She was, <laughs> McLaughlin was taken into custody for disorderly conduct. She needed to be placed into mechanical restraints by the arresting officers because she kept locking her legs and refusing to walk forward. Hell yeah. Those direct action trainings, you know, you never know when they're going to come in handy. <laughs> Cops also said they smelled alcohol on her breath. She was released later Shock. that day after posting bond. Okay. So the fact that this is a person who was driving drunk on New Year's, went to McDonald's, parked in the drive through lane when she didn't get the sauces she wanted, presumably with a line, and I've read several stories on this beautiful woman, <laughs> and then just started fighting and threatening the McDonald's staff from her car while hammered on New Year's until they called the police. The police then come. She's still in her car, <laughs> drunk on New Year's, threatening... <laughs> 
to take the sauces. They arrest her. Uh, she doesn't walk. She makes them carry her the whole way. And by the morning, she's out. So all this is to say, definitely a white woman. Oh, 100%. That's the only way that The fact that she didn't get a DUI implies that she sobered up by the time the cops got there just enough. Because 100% they, they did the blood test, right? I mean, she sobered up just enough by the time she got there. But I love the bit of uh, the employees were unsure what she meant. She said any means necessary. I feel like that's pretty fucking clear, guys. Oh, so according to the story, that's where she got sort of uh, a coy. They'd be like, what do you mean by any means necessary? And she'd be like, I don't know. You might find out. And they're like, what does that mean? She's not going to get entrapped. She's clearly had some good training. I'm going to take a controversial take and just say, if you're in Indian River County, Florida, at 4 a.m. on New Year's Day, and you're bored of like squeezing off rounds into the quarry, <laughs> threatening McDonald's workers is basically the only other fun thing you can do there. I mean, I, I feel for McDonald's people having to work on New Year's and getting harassed by these people. Uh, but also, fuck McDonald's for charging 25 cents for more sauce. That's bullshit. They do do that. Your idea about the the blood alcohol levels what if she is just a mastermind like she dragged her legs she <laughs> parked her car first of all the she, entitlement she, to be like i'm gonna drive drunk but i'm also gonna make a stink is the most white girl thing ever that, that is but being there wasting all that time and then sobering up by the time you get there so that you can then be released to make good on your threat uh, she might be a mastermind and avoiding specifying the threats so that you can't be arrested on that I got to say, for a drunk woman, it seems pretty well thought out. I'm just saying, if at any time through the next month, if that McDonald's is missing <laughs> sauces, I'm putting her in my top three. Or burns to the ground. Anna Delvey, Elizabeth Holmes, <laughs> McGuire, Marie McLaughlin. That's uh, my polycule. Does your stand? Doesn't get better than that. <laughs> That's how I'm trying to live. <laughs> Trying to finally hang out with people that get me. <laughs> Sauce masterminds. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's just a bit of fun. Florida. Uh, unlike most, uh, j just a little disclaimer here. Unlike most uh, Florida man stories, which are just aggregated and thrown into the New York Post and the AP at that point, because yeah. we have sunshine laws and actual like transparency on arrests yeah. down there. Um don't get me wrong. You can still fucking ventilate a UPS driver in a hostage situation while taking a human shield. That's a civilian. You can do that in the middle of broad daylight on TV. Nothing will happen. But Florida, to its credit, does actually have good, like, transparency regulations. So most Florida man stories are mentally ill people that are being taken up by the cops. And they're doing something very unorthodox at the time because they're mentally ill and in a crisis moment. And then that gets thrown on the paper, and it's very predatory and exploitive of yeah, yeah. people with mental health issues and people. Because you uh, literally get kicked on the street if you haven't already been violent. That is how the system is set up. It, it, Florida's really terrible, but I think this is one Florida man, Florida woman in this case, uh, that I think we can all just enjoy. She's operating on a different level. This is, I hope she planned this because again, Indian River is a terrible county. It's called Indian River. There's plenty of time for planning. It's, it's <laughs> if you're there, get out. So I had just this random thing that I saw the other day on Twitter that was just so bizarre. I had to look into it. Um, Heterosexuality. <laughs> hey. <laughs> kind of. 
kind of semi-related. Doesn't uh, seem fun. I don't get it. Yeah, it seems terrible. I don't know. I don't know why people do this shit. Uh, <laughs> but somebody was talking about sexism with how we've planted trees. I was like, that's fucking weird. That seems like a really like out there Twitter take. I used to be able to see them titties on the sidewalk from my window. <laughs> And then they linked. Like, <laughs> I don't know what accent that is, but he's very horny. And then I found like three well-researched fucking articles in Scientific American and other research journals about this shit. So this is bizarre, but part of the reason your allergies are so horrific and pollen is so bad is because every urban planner uh, and arborist and botanist in like the 50s and 60s. Why do you say that dripping with disdain? Botanists are fine people. I wanted to be a botanist for a long time. It's just funny to me that there are the villains in a story. Like, oh, the evil arborist, right? Like, that's that's weird. You wanted to be a botanist? Yeah, I love plants. Oh, yeah. You were talking about going to Australia and like being a horticulturist for a while. Yeah, I like plants. And it was just it's a the long ass life, man. Yeah, the military. <laughs> I remember because you were talking about doing that and then the military was more immediate. I literally couldn't figure out a way to make it happen. It's basically make it happen in time, and so you ended up in the military. Yeah, I remember that. Man, fucking life is too low. Just let me out. <laughs> um, yeah, so the trees are sexist now. Great. Yeah, so basically what happened is uh, up until like the 70s, this didn't really matter, but all the arborists and botanists decided that uh, when you're planting new trees and plants and like new neighborhoods and cities, what you should choose is male trees or clonal male trees. There's a way to make trees that have both capabilities to make them just male. But the, the decision was made that you prefer male plants because they're less messy because they don't fruit. So they don't drop shit on the ground, basically, is the uh. idea. Right? That's a thing. Uh, male trees, though, put out pollen. Uh, interesting choice of saying, like, them basically jizzing in the air is less of a problem than fruiting. But that was the decision they made. I I'm sorry. Uh, say that sentence again because there's no way I parsed it correctly and neither did the listener. That trees basically jizzing in the air is fine. That's what pollen is. I know it was just a striking word choice. <laughs> uh, this is one of those things where the, the 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 prose has actually taken me out of of the scene. Oh, I apologize. There's no way you can put jizzing into the air as a <laughs> subordinate clause anywhere. <laughs> uh, but so this wasn't really an issue for a while, or a relatively minor issue. And then in the 70s, we had the issue with the Dutch elm disease, where tons of trees started dying. Right. Because um, that was the main tree that was in most cities and are like the main streets and like these beautiful stately trees. They started dying in mass. So what they replaced them with was all male and clonal male trees, the ones that they can make male, even though they originally had the ability to be both. And so what has happened over time is just more and more male trees are planted and uh, the amount of allergens in the air just consistently goes up because... Not only do male trees put out pollen, which creates worse allergies, but there's no female trees, which would take the pollen right out of the air and use them to fruit and create new uh, trees, new fruit, whatever the case might be. So none of that's happening. All you're getting is one side of the equation, which is just tons and tons of pollen, more and more pollen. And worse is most of the trees are planted around parks and uh, schools. So like one of the highest concentrations of uh, pollen particulate they've ever recorded was uh, directly above an elementary school. All because male plants are less messy than female plants. And the name of that tree producing that pollen was Epstinius Decidius. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was insane that that's even, that that was like a thought process of like, nah, acorns are messy. Let's just get this pollen everywhere instead. 
I don't mind stepping on pollen, though, in fairness. I'm on breathing it in. But yeah, so that's why uh, your spring allergies will be horrific because urban planners were weirdly sexist about what plants they chose. Bizarre. I have another fun story. This one's actually like just genuinely making me delighted. Um, yeah, that's rare. I'm going to strap in for this one. Something that produces delight would be great right now. It's basically all the Bernie stuff. Uh, so, I mean, we reached the year end. He has these massive fundraising numbers, which are amazing. He he beats everybody out. I think the next uh, person close to him was Buttigieg, and it was $10 million less. And Buttigieg is doing that through all, like, rich psychopaths. And Bernie's all with small donors. So you're like, oh, that's amazing. Clearly something's going on here. People support him. Then poll after poll after poll comes out. Bernie's crushing. And you go like, fuck yeah, he's peaking at the right time. This is amazing. But what's fascinating to watch happen is now you're seeing the mercenaries start to come on board, right? It's a whole bunch of people in the media go putting their fingers in the air and going, fuck, if Bernie wins and I keep up with the way things are going, I have no position in the new world order on the democratic establishment. If I've been an establishment hack for years, is being aligned with Pelosi and Schumer a oh, good idea? Oh, you're talking idea? about like the Peter Dow effect right now. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. Like we had... So the, the problem is essentially that, or not the problem, but the dynamic that you're describing is that today I think the Monmouth polls, Monmouth whatever, came out a little more even, like it's like a four-way tie for New Hampshire at least, mm -hmm. um, which like who the fuck knows. But... Who won that? The dynamic you're describing is that the big consulting class can basically stick to the status quo if anyone else wins. Yes. But when Bernie starts leading, you need to have one of those like first in game theory problems yeah. where it's like, okay, well, if he does win, anyone from the ancient regime is going to not have a place. So how soon do I start converting to Bernie? When do I think Bernie is viable enough? And the answer is right fucking now. Well, we're definitely Judging seeing by, the first bit of yeah. yeah. Peter Dow got in pretty early, and now you're seeing people start to flip. I will say, I think Peter Dow is actually an authentic human who's just had a really insane life. Like he's a fucking character from a video game, so it's hard to predict anything off Peter Dow. He's just like an actual. You mean I, I can date him if I can name his birthday, favorite food, and buy him four gifts, <laughs> <laughs> basically. But it, like, all right, Pete. I, I don't want to predict anything based off Pete because he's just like an odd, unique human doing his own thing. More interesting is Matty Iglesias. Matty Iglesias has been an absolute mercenary his entire that career. That dude fucking recalibrates more than Garrus. <laughs> and if you don't get that joke, inform yourself because it was excellent. Play Mass Effect. <laughs> Matty Iglesias is a dude who helped lobby for the Iraq War back in the day, right? That's part of how he got big. He was in that like original blogosphere bullshit of people doing news articles and being part of like the sort of like centrist dim continuum. Andrew Sullivan in that group. Yes. And so Matty Iglesias is constantly Klein, constantly adjusted. All terrible. In order to make sure his career is protected and that he still has a position working. That's how it works. If you're a journalist in a high level position right now, you are either very concerned about getting fired in the next day or two or week or two or ha have been fired recently or you're a full-on mercenary and you adapt to the power structure. So Matty Iglesias to me is like a bellwether, right? That guy switches mm -hmm. very... There's a reason he has survived this long. He's good at being a mercenary. And he's very clearly seeing what's happening, which is it's undeniable now. 
it is undeniable that Bernie has a shitload of momentum going into a bunch of states that he already had a really good situation. It's undeniable that he has the most money, that he has some of the best polling numbers, that he's on the rise, that he definitely has the best ground game because he's done this before, and that's what they focus on. They focus on ground game, right? It's undeniable that as more non-terminally online dims show up, he gets more support because regular people love him, right? We're at the point where you can't deny that anymore. And so now the media is forced to go, fuck, what do we do? So the clever mercenaries are hopping on board, which like to me is delightful. So Matty Iglesias is on board. Now you're getting like CNN articles like, fuck, he might win. Oh shit. Daily Beast articles like, uh, Bernie actually is in the lead here. I don't know what's going on, but like, I guess good for you, Bernie. Right. It's people now starting to play the bridge of going, it's no longer a great idea for me to align myself with the ancient boomers who have been running the party forever, the Clintonites, they're not going to be around much longer. And clearly that generation behind them is not fucking popular. Kamala is not going to fucking win. Buttigieg is not going to fucking win. So it's time to look out for yourself if you're a mercenary, which means hop on board the Bernie bus. So all this is to say, this is fucking great news because we're, we're at the point where Bernie has been this successful with the media attacking him, with the media ignoring him. Having even a little bit of normal media support or of normal media coverage going, yeah, I think this guy might win. That is huge, especially when there's a huge chunk of voters, uh, the sort of centrist or older voters who go, I just want whatever dude's going to win, right? That's like half of the Biden supporters. Like, I just think he's going to win. So Bernie getting that kind of coverage is fucking amazing because then it gives you the ability to get that in front of other people and sway them more easily. So to me, like, I take this as all great news that even the establishment's at the point of going, motherfucker, he's going to win. Damn. And the non-clever mercenaries are in Georgia. <laughs> and the non-clever mercenaries are taking a shitload of money from Bloomberg to provide cover for him. So uh, just a, a fun little thing that we saw today, actually, um, that you'll see on Friday when this comes out, is that... Stacey Abrams' group, she's got a, a voting rights group, just got a massive donation from Mike Bloomberg um, like, th like three five, weeks ago. I thought it was like $5 million. It was $5 million. And now um, she's going to be on stage with him, which is interesting because so far... Today, the day you hear this. Yeah. So far, the only time Abrams has come out to engage with this primary has been to provide cover for Joe Biden being racist back in the day. Uh, Bloomberg, for those who I'm sure already know, a uh, man who ran stop and frisk for ages, which was one of the most racist police policies of the modern era, also was horrific on the Central Park Five, I believe it was, uh, was getting absolutely savaged the other day for how he's handled a lot of issues um, when it comes to African-Americans in New York. And just like that, oh, suddenly I'm going to be on a stage with Stacey Abrams. So a uh, few things there. One, good to know I was right in calling her an incompetent mercenary. Aligning yourself with Bloomberg is always a terrible idea. That motherfucker is going to lose no matter how many people he buys. $5 million buys you a lot of stop and frisk apologies, though. It does. It does. Um, and even... This isn't just me being cynical, by the way. This is, we're at the point where like every normal media outlet went, 
oh, this is probably good for him because he needs a black woman next to him to provide cover for some of the bad policies he's had. That's like a normal CNN take on this. Everyone sees what's happening. He gave her money. Now she's going to stand up there and provide cover for the horrific shit that he's done. It's like they're doing woke ID poll accidentally. They're like, well, these are obviously generally agreed by the populace, uh, just shit policies that should never have existed. But what if they were justified by a non-white cishet woman? <laughs> it's fucking, it's honestly amazing to me. Like it's such, it's such a terrible choice on her part. I mean, I guess she got 5 million out of it. So she's making money off of them. Um, there's always money to be made ripping off. The Bloomberg. policies are terrible to be clear <laughs> and caused untold <laughs> suffering under oh, Bloomberg's administration, but they're going to be justified by someone that looks a little bit more like you and representation matters. Even with Biden, you could pretend that like maybe you had I worked thought with him she at some was going to go by. Sometimes when I read the stories, I still read it as Biden because I can't believe she's throwing in with Bloomberg. I think it's literally just the money. It I was, think she's been was, waiting on Biden. She's like, none of you are going to win. Um, fuck it. I'll take five million. I think I, I genuinely think that is what happened. Based off of the fact that the last time we talked about her, she was doing this Hollywood reporter. I'm going to be a TV person. I'm going to do a book. It seemed like she was pretty good to be done with politics unless someone came knocking with a massive check or a VP slot. Um, so I thought she was going to be Biden too. This was shocking. So she can join Jonathan Chait is the only people interested in providing cover for Mike Bloomberg. Just amazing. I mean, I, I genuinely love this because this does nothing to help them uh, other than steal some more votes from dumbass interests. So go for it, man. Let's do it. Oh, damn. It feels good to be right, though. Yeah. Normally, I'm pretty pessimistic, but this does, ha having Bloomberg. lived under Bloomberg for a while... He's the least like, inspiring person you can imagine. Yeah, like no one's, no one, there's no one in the fucking party who's going to push for that. Like no one's fallen on a sword for Bloomberg. I like, once saw Bloomberg give a speech <laughs> where he said, if you want to get ahead in America, don't shit. <laughs> he said the whole time he worked on Wall Street, he never took a shit because that way he would always be at his desk. Fucking amazing. amazing. And that seems insane that like that guy would be president, but then Donald Trump's the president. So I'm going to keep a little bit of my pessimism in the back pocket, <laughs> but I'm not super worried about Bloomberg. No, I'm going optimistic as a candidate. Year. I can't imagine. So me and Brett have spent some time on the Jersey Turnpike lately. God. In those fucking rest stops that are all named after just famous literary racists, right? <laughs> James Fenimore Cooper, baby. That's and, our rest stop. And all the people in there are either, you know, on their way to a Giants game or a hardcore show. <laughs> and I, I like the hardcore people. I yeah, They're fine. But, like, I can't imagine any of them being like, it's got to be Mikey B. Bloomberg. <laughs> He's the presidential candidate you can fit in your pocket, take with you wherever you go. <laughs> pocket size prez. That's what they call me. As a Latino, I am swayed when I hear Bloomberg <laughs> speaking a shitty Spanish. Uh, El Bloombito. Oh, amazing. But, yeah, uh, so... I do put a decent amount of stock in mercenary movement because it, to me, signals sort of like where the winds it's have changed. a nice changed. leading indicator. Yeah. All right. Well, if you've made it this far, you're going for punishment. And obviously, uh, there's one big news thing we haven't talked about. Um, I'd love to skip it, but I do feel like based off of like my background, um, I, I should at least discuss it briefly. 
because um, it is always really frustrating when you know anything about this stuff to watch media figures just fuck it up over and over again and tell you shit that's just demonstrably incorrect. So yeah, like uh, let's just talk about CES then. It was this week. Um, these fucking journalists don't know what they're talking about. Turns out dogs actually love virtual reality. That That's straight from at Digital Vixen from the uh, Dumb and Awful Discord who's there. Dogs love, um, they love the virtual reality. <laughs> or they hate the virtual reality because they can see the treat but when they go to bite it, it turns to nothingness in their mouth. It's dog tantalus every time you put a VR thing on. Oh, I thought they just got to like bark at shit. I didn't know they were they were taunting them with treats. Sira, I think that's how you say your name. My, my Slavic friend, I think you're wrong on this one. The more and more I think about it, a dog that he's chasing the, the bus, but no matter how much he moves his legs he's not actually going anywhere or ever going to reach it is very sad <laughs> oh poor puppy <laughs> uh but no well uh i guess we'll talk about iran because fuck why not i'm a veteran look we said at the top if if you really need an iran take from fucking dumb and awful buddy this is on you so here we go so for me the iran thing like one i think it does need the context Iran, as it's currently constituted, was formed right after World War II, right? After uh, the Soviets backed off a little bit, the British backed off a little bit. Um, so they formed their own country. They had finally self-determined. They got a prime minister, Mohammad Mossadegh, who was great and beloved. And then he made one critical, critical error that every people that we have hated for the last fucking 70 years makes of trying to make sure the resources in his country were owned by the people in the country. So he tried to talk to uh, what is now a subsidiary of BP, a British petroleum processing company, and get them to create a fairer deal for the oil in Iran. And that didn't go well. So then the Iranians went, well, fuck them then, we'll nationalize it. And that set off a whole host of shit, uh, mostly... It caused the UK and US to go, well, we need to coup this guy. And so they sent just bucket loads of cash with Teddy Roosevelt's grandson, actually, to go coup Iran. And he had to do it. He had to try twice. I like it when a legacy actually earns it, though, you know? Yeah, I know. Me too. Get out there and do some work. He committed. And he, he didn't just, you know, he tried to push a coup. It failed. And so then he got back on in that saddle and he pushed it again. And the second time it was successful and they reinstalled the Shah. The Shah uh, being basically just a secular dictator at the whims of the US and the UK selling the oil um, so that they could run things in perpetuity. This was in the same time period where we as America were invading Central America for banana plantation shit, right? We were just fucking going hog wild with overthrowing every goddamn country we felt like. I like the idea of like a Canadian embassy and like the ambassadors like, give it to me straight. Like, sir, it's a different world. It's 1981 in America. It's going hog wild internationally. <laughs> this is a 50s. This is even worse. We straight up sent Marines to Central American countries because they tried to uh, nationalize banana plantations. Like, yeah, it was, it was fucking ridiculous. This is an insane period of time in American history. I mean, all of them have been insane for different reasons. But the situation uh, in Benghazi currently... Uh, and we are in contact with the uh, quick response force there. 
currently 7 a.m. local time. Uh, we're being told that it is hog wild. <laughs> <laughs> that famously useful diplomatic term. Oh, yeah. For international affairs. So this dictator or secular dictator who basically sold off all the resources to the West, ran things, uh, had a secret military police where he harassed people, tortured them, you know, the things you'd expect from a brutal dictator uh, through the 70s. And then an interesting coalition of Marxists, Iranian Marxists, Iranian nationalists and religious conservatives joined together to overthrow him. So this interesting alliance managed to overthrow the Shah and... A few things happened very quickly thereafter. One, uh, a guy who had been in exile for about a decade plus, Khomeini, came back, took over the Ayatollah. The the when the Ayatollah took over, did did he did he say this? <laughs> yep, that was actually his uh, opening speech. Or is that the Revolutionary Guard there? I don't remember. <laughs> uh, I'm not an expert on Iran, and neither are you, listener. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he came back at that point as well. The reason things got really tense with America at that point is not only that they took their oil back, which immediately pissed us off, but the Shah didn't have a place to go after the exile, after he ran from the country. And Carter was president at the time. And as we literally just found out, this just came out like a month ago, Reagan used some influence with uh, a guy who was running a ma- running Chase, I believe at the time, Massive Bank, who is a literal Rockefeller. Chase Manhattan Bank. So a literal Rockefeller worked with Reagan, uh, right? And a bunch of other rich people and like West Point psychopaths, CIA psychopaths to pressure Carter to let the Shah come to the States. And once they did, that's when they took the embassy. But in the interim, nobody was sure if the religious conservatives were going to take over the nationalists or the Marxists. Uh, sad to say, after religious conservatives took over, they did purge those other groups. All the Marxists, all the nationalists. Uh, some of them managed to escape which is where all the big communities of Iranians and Persians in America come from. A lot of them are from late seventies. So like Northern Virginia has a huge community. It's largely secular people, professors, stuff like that. Some leftists, although they will deny that now because yeah, no, that makes sense. Don't be a leftist Iranian in America in the modern era. That seems dangerous. If you are, that's cool (laughs) as hell though. Yeah, no, we love you. But like, I totally understand pretending not to be on that. That's the unicorn. If you meet a secular Iranian leftist, They get to be the third in your relationship. (laughs) They deserve it. They put in the work. Yeah, that's where a lot of the big Persian communities come from. You'll be better for it. Don't worry. Uh, So that's when they took the embassy, uh, the whole embassy hostage situation. So that was, again, we literally just found out that Reagan and this fucking Rockefeller piece of shit were pushing that behind the scenes for the Shah to come because they knew it would create an escalation issue. And specifically because Chase had a lot of money involved in Iran. And if you got the shot back there, then we could get our money out. Of course. Of course. So all of that was instituted by a bunch of rich fuckers. Uh, and again, Jimmy Carter probably shouldn't have given in to them. Other thing we found out is that all of our generals, including the people who Carter did support, uh, told the Shah during the revolution that they should have just slaughtered more civilians. That was the advice that Americans gave the Iranians. Again, same same document. 
a game from the same document that was released maybe a month ago. Like this just happened. We just finally got like this whole behind the scenes of what the fuck was going on with the shot coming here and how it set off the embassy shit. Uh, the embassy shit, for those who don't know, they took hostages. It was a whole thing. They took hostages from the American embassy. It lasted for an incredibly long time. Carter tried to send in a spec ops team to save them. Their helicopter crashed and all the spec ops dude died. Um, Reagan won. And then literally the day, I think, before the election, they released the hostages just in time for like Reagan to take office. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. If, if you're listening right now and you're like, this is really elementary, I think people understand the historical context of Iran. They don't. Uh, they, they don't. You're listening to a podcast called Dumb and Awful. Okay. Now, probably you, if you're having this thought, you're one of these elitist book readers. You probably got here from like <laughs> Mark's Madness or Beep Beep Lettuce. You know, two groups that occasionally read books and want to know about the world, right? And so you've arrived, you're in the Discord, you're, you're, you're talking about current events and getting historical context for the animating forces behind your ideology. Good for you. But you have to understand, the silent majority of people just downloading and listening on iTunes don't know anything about anything. They're so <laughs> stupid. I'm on Cameo, and I would say 100% of my commissions are dumb and awful fans just asking me how to tie their shoes or make spaghetti. <laughs> you don't know how to make spaghetti. It's very hard to compact that into the 10-second cameo or whatever. But they keep asking. They're so dumb. People subscribe on Patreon. I mean, there's no depths to how dumb Americans can be. <laughs> So just sit through it, sit through it. But, you know, it's good to know the historical context of the people you go to war with or are about to go to war with. Uh, yeah, so that basically created the Iranian state as we know it today, run by religious conservatives. And so that is the the genesis of why we hate them, right? Combination of hostage crisis, them kicking out our brutal dictator that we had set up, them taking back their oil. That's like, so we fucking hate them at that point. But nothing really happens. When you say we, you're talking America. about the American I'm talking about the American blob elite, yes. that happened to be in place during these events and them and their first generation progeny like vampires have not walked out into the sun yet and they just hold this grudge that nobody else in the country gives a fuck about. Here's what's fun though. Uh, just a few years later, senior administration officials, Oliver North, who has never been to prison for anything that he's done, ran the NRA for a little bit, is on Fox News all the time. They actually ask him about his political analysis, which is fucking insane. Um, they started selling weapons to Iran secretly because there was an embargo. And nominally, it was to try to have Iran pressure uh, Hezbollah and Libya to release some hostages that they had. That was what they said. Um, but really stupid plan, by the way, you can't, fuck. you can't fucking pressure Hezbollah. Me and Brett have been in emails with them for the last week and they don't even respond. The checks have stopped coming. I guess they're busy, but yeah. we're still doing the podcast. So if you're listening, we'd like the funding to continue. Sorry. Continue. No, it's very important. Thank they're you. Gonna, Hezbollah is going to do things on their time. And you know what? I, you're not going to push me faster. I, f I feel like a fucking freelancer, so thanks a lot, Big Green. <laughs> uh, but that's what they claimed. What was actually happening is they were uh, selling the weapons illegally to Iran, taking the profits, sending them to the Contras in Nicaragua, which were basically fucking death squads, right-wing death squads that we were supporting. 
That was a thing that we did just a few years after the hostage crisis when supposedly Iran is our most hated enemy. So, uh, you know, for all that the foreign policy crazies will claim that they're, they're our worst, most evil enemy, they're happy to work with them when it fucking suits their needs. But post-Iran-Contra, we get past that. Uh, things calm down for a while. And then a few years later in the late 80s, uh, an Iranian passenger jet from Tehran to Dubai was shot down by one of our ships, the USS Vincines. Vincines? I don't know how to pronounce that word. Vincines? I don't know. Some fucking thing. I'll be honest. You don't have a whole lot of uh, Spanish pronunciation clout already, so might as well stick with that. Yeah, that works. Anyway, so at that point, one of our ships shot down this passenger jet, and all 290 people on board, including 66 kids, died. So that plane was filled with pilgrims um, trying to go to Mecca and Medina uh, or returning from there. So we just murdered uh, 290 religious pilgrims. Uh, that was 88. Nothing happened with that, by the way. So we kill all these innocent people. It goes nowhere. We do nothing uh, to try to make up for it. No war started. Much, 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 much later, uh, we send them some money to try to make up for it. By much later, I mean like 90s and even just a few years ago under the Obama administration. Um, some money was sent them to make up for the 300 fucking people that we murdered. And then that pretty much brings us up to speed. They started a nuclear program uh, a while back. We freaked out about it. Pretended that they were the most evil people in the world. Bush called them axis of evil, right? That's all the modern stuff. We've been doing this. We, they were, by the way, Iran, good allies when it came to fighting ISIS. Oh, yeah. And we've teamed up with them before to good effects in the region. Uh, we're just, we're fucking angry about the whole uh, revolution thing. Oh, yeah. We're still angry because it's religious conservatives and they are the other major power in the region behind, besides Saudi Arabia. And we have clearly chosen one side of that group to ally with, regardless of what evil things they do. Now we're at the point where, as I'm sure everybody knows by now, we killed the top general in Iran, a guy who has literally lived through a revolution, a war with Iraq, multiple attempts uh, at... Um, from America at starting wars in Iran, multiple attempts from drones trying to kill this guy over the years, spying on him over the years. Iran has successfully knocked down like four or five drones at this point, by the way. Um, they finally got him because he was on a peaceful diplomatic-related trip to Iraq to try to talk to Saudi Arabia um, and de-escalate tensions. So this was not like some fucking secretive thing, right? The claim that we've been making now is that like, oh no, he's secretly there to stir shit up. And like, no, uh, he probably wouldn't have told everybody what his fucking flight route was and shown up and made sure it was public knowledge. By the way, the other guy they killed in that attack, besides Soleimani, was an Iraqi general, which is why the Iraqis are really pissed off at us. Because, you know, our great allies, the Iraqis, we murdered one of their generals too while we were off trying to knock off the uh, probably number two, number three dude in the entire country of Iran. So we did a good job there. Um, and this was all, as far as I can tell, because they felt like it, largely because a contractor died, which um, as a veteran, I'll just go ahead and say, if you're a contractor in Iraq and you get shot, I have no fucking sympathy for you. You are a mercenary, no sympathy whatsoever. Uh, under no circumstances should that start a war, right? Also cause it, calling it terrorism for people to kill military targets in a foreign occupation. It's not fucking terrorism. There's no terrorism about that. If there's no troops in Iraq, there wouldn't be any fucking problem, would there? 
Well, no, I'm pretty sure there was terrorism there because Liz Warren said that he was a terrorist when she was pressed by Meghan McCain. God. That's pretty much where we're at now. Um, few thoughts on that. Veteran perspective, bullshit, whatever. The, one of the things that I find super galling that I know a lot of veterans who have actually deployed and survived or like seen their friends die there find really galling is, and I know leftists already know this, but like obviously the war in Iraq was bullshit. But it's one thing to know it's bullshit. It's another thing to deploy there, to watch your friends die there, to get PTSD from being there. All the while we're talking about we're building a democracy in this country. And you go like, obviously that's bullshit. We came for another reason. But maybe that would be the one positive out of all of this, that there might actually, that we might have done some remotely decent thing to try to salvage this horrific fucking idea that we had. Not we, of course, the fucking rich people at the top uh, in the foreign policy blob. But maybe that's like the one positive thing I could believe in here. That, and that's, again, that's stuff for the enlisted to believe in. Because yes. like you said, the people at the top, it, this isn't conspiracy. Like you can read this in the Times and they're not grinding an axe against the security establishment, certainly. But all of the run up to our foreign wars have just been bullshit. The Iraq war, total lies. That's just out and out. Sorry about that. We wanted to do it. So we did it, you know, uh, taking out a, a tyrant and bringing democracy to a region that so desperately needs it. Obviously bullshit, but as long as you can believe it, you know, maybe that motivates you when you're attaching your artificial leg every morning. Exactly. So it's one of those things where like, yes, we all know it's bullshit and they know that, but it's another thing entirely to live through all of that, come home, and then years later have the democratically elected government of Iraq say, please leave American troops before you get us in another war. And for us to then turn around and go, go fuck yourselves. Not only are we not leaving, but if we do, you should pay us for the privilege of us destroying your fucking country. Like that's one of those things that's like particularly galling for a lot of veterans I know because it's essentially throwing in your face yeah, no, not only have we been lying to you and been open about it, but now we're going to rub your fucking face in it, you dumb piece of shit. And that's how it feels for a lot of my friends that I've talked to about it. Like, it is infuriating because they are saying none of your lives mattered in the slightest. We were happy to waste them for nothing. Fuck you. We're not going to apologize. In fact, what we're going to do is we're going to use your dead comrades and the dead people, the dead 18, 19-year-olds you enlisted with, we're going to use that specter to beat anybody who claims they want peace about the head and go, oh, well, you don't care about our gold star families. Yeah, further than that, they're also going to hang those deaths on Suleimani and say that he was a terrorist that came for all of our American kids serving abroad. And when your comrade died, that was uh, this guy over in Iran, actually. And so we should start another war where more of your uh, fellow soldiers will die. It's, it's absolutely infuriating. The death of your friend not only didn't do anything for Iraq and never was going to do anything for Iraq, but nothing in Fallujah could have stopped or even not encouraged, I guess, the war in Iran because all those dead are now being pinned on Iran. And seeing how useless, how fucking cavalierly they used the lives of you and your friends who needed a fucking job or were dumb enough to believe the recruiter because you're fucking 18 or 17, right? Fuck you is basically the message that every single person heard off of that. 
it is pretty weird that like if you're a 32 year old guy and you date an 18 year old people are like that's extremely wrong like you have so much more experience and knowledge about the world like there's no way even if you have goodness in your heart there's absolutely no way that this isn't in some way coercive or manipulative Mm. like you're just not on equal footing so that's weird but if you're a 32 year old guy recruiting an 18 year old into a war in the middle east that's actually totally cool and make sure you text with them a lot oh and you and you got to groom them for years while they were in high school before you got to show up at their high school and make them run laps for you and shit and tell them about patriotism and no, no, but it's so their deranged. fault. You're you're a fucking psychopath who wanted to kill babies for growing up in the middle of fucking nowhere with no jobs and had this guy groom you to do this thing and everybody tell you it was going to be good and it was going to be helpful. And even if you didn't believe that, it's at least a job. I need a fucking job. So that's one thing. That's fucking infuriating. Um, the other one that I see a lot, nobody's, there's no, not going to be a draft. Nobody should worry about that. That's not going to happen. Um, I know it looks like there's been a de-escalation. Iran is making every indication that they don't want to fucking start a war. God bless him for that. Um, they're doing what China did with the trade wars. America does something unilaterally. China goes, you know, we have to respond to this in some way. And they make a largely symbolic response to make it clear. We're only doing this because you force us into it. Please don't keep forcing our hand because we will get serious about this. If you keep fucking around, we've seen how that went with the trade war. Not great. And now Iran is doing the same thing with the war. And it looks like as of right now, changes constantly we might be in a better situation purely because trump watched one of the white nationalists on fox news go i'd really not rather not have a war he went all right then let's not do the war that seems to be where we're at uh meanwhile the religious conservatives and our administration are actively pushing for this pompeo the secretary of state the guy who's supposed to do diplomacy was the one who was like 100 percent kill soleimani mike pence 100 on board with the war with iran uh because the other aspect of this that i find bizarre and frustrating and very American is the evangelical death cult is fucking lobbying for this so that they can finally get the end time so they could finally be raptured, give everybody else the devil birds as they're taken up to heaven and we all have to die in this shithole. A genuine thing they believe. But anyway, let's talk about the radical Islamists. Yeah, no, they're definitely doing crazier shit than that. And the final thing, I will say the one piece of good news from this uh, besides the fact that it looks like we're not going to war, that's fucking amazing news. Um, right now, looks like we're in de Justin Trudeau said that Iran killed Canadians. They're not going to do anything. Canadians aren't going to do shit. Um, which is good. They, there's enough of like a democratically parliamentary system there to, to create some sort of stop effect where like one dude can't just unilaterally start a fucking war like we can in our country. Well, there's things you could do, like Justin Trudeau says, while he is not considering military action currently, he is going to do blackface once a week, every week, until this crisis is managed. <laughs> uh, uh, it's a costume. Um, I would say the one positive of this is that if you were someone looking for some fucking daylight between candidates, it has become fundamentally clear who has the moral high ground and clarity when it comes to foreign policy. And there's only one fucking candidate left. That's got that. And that's Bernie. Um, if for people that I know who are waffling between Warren and Bernie for all that, the terminally online think that's insane. That is a real thing. 
It's a lot easier to convince people when you go, here's what she said when we look like we're going to start a war, and it's some gobbledygook bullshit where she's trying to fucking waffle between three points at once and getting stuck, and Bernie going, hey, maybe if we didn't fucking murder people that were in a national government, or we didn't have troops nearby in a democratic country that wants us out, no, this would be a fucking problem. Every regular person can understand that because it's 100% true. Nobody wants another fucking war except the ghouls at the top. So God bless having one, literally, that's it. That's all we've got. One candidate capable of having the moral clarity to say this shit. So I am thankful for that because it has become a lot easier for normies who are waffling to go, you can just judge for yourself. Here's the responses. And not a single fucking person yet has been like, oh, I loved what Warren said there. No, it didn't go great. I mean, not as bad as Pete, but, you know, we all knew Pete was a psychopath. This shit's so depressing. Uh, the other thing I would ask, please don't, when this shit spins up, talk about how excited you are for Americans to get, or for enlisted people to get murdered, because that's who's going to die. No officers are going to get shot, or if they are, it'll be like one. It'll mostly be a bunch Second of... Second lieutenants get murked a good bit. They do. That's true. Butter bars. And the, I have a little sympathy for them. They are... There's like three officer ranks that are sympathetic, and it's basically the first three before they gain Second, real power. Second, first, and captain. Yep. Uh, those are the ones. But I, I mean, like, I, I understand the reaction to be like, fuck American imperialism. But again, the people who die are 18-year-olds who are from like small towns in West Virginia or shit towns in Florida who have been groomed for years for this shit. So it's kids who have nothing to do with any of this, who have no desire to go to a war, are going to get sent to die and kill Persians who also shouldn't be killed, right? A whole lot of normal, innocent people will die, and none of the motherfuckers responsible will face any guilt, blame, or repercussions, just like in Iraq. So my one request would be, please not jerk off about how enlisted people will die because they're just fucking kids. They don't deserve to get shot. They don't deserve this shit in the first place. If we had a goddamn jobs program, they wouldn't be in the goddamn military. Yeah, everyone's stupid at that age. We were in an emo. Again, you can't win in the system. I get yelled at if I have student loans. I get yelled at if I join the military. My other option suicide. Great. Or getting, getting addicted to something and slowly killing you myself. You could get addicted to something. You could uh, be a deadbeat, out of the workforce person. So basically every option Yeah, I'm trying to hit all of them. Is bad. I've almost got all of them. I just need an addiction and slow suicide in a fucking town that's falling apart. I don't know how... It, Every option for regular plebs. I'm not sure you don't already have all three of those. <laughs> <laughs> we can leave some of that for off there. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, sorry to end on a down note. Um, obviously, the war stuff is horrifying. Um, hopefully, we've reached a state of equilibrium and de-escalation, and no more horrible things will happen. So let's all hope for that, because I would really prefer a bunch of regular people to not get murdered because we have religious psychopaths in power that said uh thanks for listening uh if you listened all the way through you're a crazy person we love you um this has been brett everyone on this board rob add dumb and awful you can follow the show add dumb awful show please do apparently that's the thing people judge how many fucking followers we have on the show account i just found that out because somebody uh, complained about it to me the other day while i was in the middle of my uh mental health crisis over the holidays. So that was, that was a fun realization that that's what we're judged by. If you're a listener and you want to throw a follow, I'd appreciate it. Um, Cause I guess that's how people judge these things, which is dumb. Uh, 
I, yeah, our takes aren't going to get better, but I guess that number could go up. You can social proof better. <sighs> <laughs> this is why I just don't read anything. It is the right choice. I not reading is always the correct choice. I'm not going to read books. I'm not going to read people's commentary about me or this show. <laughs> I'm not going to look at the analytics. I'm not going to peruse your reviews. Yeah, In this Discord, most do. of the time, I'm just typing random things that I think might have to do with the conversation because I can't bring myself to read your posts. <laughs> I regret none of my behavior. And this is why we work with Nathan from Mark's Madness. By the way, uh, that particular bit of Patreon thing we've been doing that you could suggest a book has now closed. We've got six or seven books for him. Um, I'll post the full list under the Patreon if you're a subscriber. If you're not, you should be. We have bonus content. We do things like you can uh, select a book for him to read and give a summary of for the next books episode we did a cookie thing in december uh we have more stuff coming of course there's also bonus episodes there's some bonus video content that we do as well so hop on that if you haven't also join the discord uh it's happened we have a really lovely community honestly it's wonderful uh one of our people in discord jack does a movie night like four or five nights a week where he streams the movies you can hop in the discord and bullshit it's fucking wonderful they're all great so uh come on by and thanks for listening, y'all.